0: some of the best health and life tips to keep you active and living your life without having to go through surgeries procedures or medications i want to give you hope that it's possible as a body has an amazing ability to heal if we give it the right environment let's get started so today we have dr Jay Sheree chasmawala and we have known each other for probably like 10 years something along those lines it could be longer <laughs> <laughs> and we I used to go and market to a lot of different doctors back in the day um with my physical therapy practice and you know, I literally went into her office and she was in the front. And I was like, this is so weird. Like it's a doctor that's in the front. <laughs> this, that, that doesn't ever happen. And we just started talking and, and really hit it off because of our views on how we wanted to help our patients and how we knew that our body had an amazing ability to heal. And so we just hit it off. And since then we've done a lot of different just educational events in the community to really just um, empower people with information education so that they can make changes and realizing that you know no matter what we have what conditions whether it's orthopedic from my end or something medical um that our bodies can heal from it and so i am excited to introduce you to her she has oh my gosh i don't know how many types of certifications from you know, integrative holistic medical doctor to a lifestyle medicine coach to so many things. She's always constantly learning so that she can provide just awesome education to, to the community and to anyone that gets around her. So welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. And as Stephanie said, uh, I'm Dr. Jayshree Chasmawala. I'm a family practice integrative holistic medicine and lifestyle medicine
0: physician and I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So, let's get into it. Let's hear a little bit more about your story. Like, why did you want to become a doctor and how did you get to where you are today? So, I often joke
1: that I don't really remember why I wanted to become a doctor. I just remember not there's a, there was never a time that I didn't want to be a doctor. And I kind of feel like I came out of the womb going, "I'm going to be a doctor." <laughs> Um, so, but I do remember there was an event in my life that kind of shaped the kind of doctor I want to be. My dad was diagnosed with cancer pretty early on in my life. And I just remember the intensity and confusion as a child feeling, you know, not knowing what's going on. When I would ask my parents, my mom, they wouldn't know how to explain it to me. And I just felt like you know maybe that was the doctors not telling them, maybe they didn't understand it well enough to explain it to me. And I just thought, I when I become a doctor, I'm going to make sure that my patients understand exactly what's happening to them, that way they can make the best decision possible for them. So that was really what shaped my life. Another big event that shaped the kind of doctor I want to be is that um, I was born in Boston and we moved around a lot when I was younger, and when we moved to Texas. Um, Probably I was in fourth grade and I had allergies for the first time in my life, spring season. And I was on antibiotics, I think, for the first time in my life because I got bronchitis because of my allergies. And each spring it was okay. You know, I would get sick with allergies, but it wasn't as bad as the first one until I moved to Austin for undergrad. And Austin is known as like a hill country. So all the pollen blows in during the springtime. And I would get so sick that. By the end of spring semester, I would be on antibiotics and steroids just for the bronchitis that I would get. I would miss most of my classes spring semester, go to my professors and ask them, can I make this up? I, You know, I understand the lesson. I just was so sick, I couldn't attend. And um, somehow or another, I graduated with honors. And even when I sat for the MCAT, which is the admissions test for medical school, I had a fever of 104. So, you know these allergies, they're not, they weren't something small. They did affect my quality of life tremendously. And when I went to see an allergy specialist, they did the skin prick test, which is where they they prick your skin with um, the allergen that you might, you know, to see what you're allergic to. And I was so allergic to pretty much all the springtime pollen that, you know, my skin reacted so strongly that they had to dilute the testing doses. And at the end of that, my allergist was like, here, take some Claritin. And I was like, I've been taking Claritin and it's done nothing. So I decided that I was going to research on my own. Um, I went to the medical library on campus at UT Austin. And I found this obscure text that talked about natural healing and how um, dairy increases inflammation and mucus. Now, you have to understand that I was a raised vegetarian. I've never eaten meat. And now here it is, you know, dairy increases mucus, so now I have to give up dairy. It took me a couple of years, but I finally did it, and I went vegan completely. And I have not had any problems with allergies or bronchitis ever since then, and that was 23 years ago. So that was shocking to me that, you know, our health is so interconnected with our nutrition and how we live our lives and what we eat um, so I was kind of excited about learning more about that when when I went to med school, and disappointed when the only nutrition class that we got was um, two hours on how to tube feed a comatose patient, and maybe a little bit of information on some vitamin deficiencies that we don't really see, like vitamin C and scurvy and rickets, and you know we don't really see these things except for rare occasions, but yet we see. Um, nutrition issues in the form of cardiovascular disease, and diabetes, heart disease, um, strokes, high blood pressure—all of these things—and nobody talks about the link of nutrition. We we weren't taught that. We were just taught about medications. So you know, I was kind of disappointed with that. But I completed my residency, and I decided that I would start my own practice, focusing on these aspects of helping people live healthier. Every single day, because what you do every single day has such a major, profound effect on your health, more so than seeing a doctor once a month, once a quarter, once a year, depending on how sick you are.
0: Um, yeah, that's
1: amazing, isn't it? And then I was so excited when I met Stephanie when she came into my office. You know, this is the new practice that I had set up, and I was in the front because. I think I was either training someone or you know, when you own your own practice, you kind of are everything. You're the <laughs> doctor, you're the front office, you're the back office, you're the biller, you're I mean, you just play all the roles. So yeah. You could do it all. So I was excited to meet her to find someone else that was just as into nutrition and the impact of health and all the other parts of living healthy for our everyday.
0: Um, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You go through life and you have some experiences and those experiences shape how you want to be. And that's kind of what happened with me. Like I literally grew up super active and in my late twenties from all the exercise and the sports and everything that I did, my body literally was breaking down. And, uh, you know, going to the doctor and asking like, what else you can do? They don't really have answers for you. And I had like in a year and a half period of time, my body was so depleted. I had like bronchitis, then I had pneumonia and then I had cancer. And so when I went through the cancer and went through multiple surgeries, two and a half years, had a virus I couldn't get rid of, they literally said, well, you're young, it'll eventually go away. And I'm like, it's been two and a half years. And it wasn't until I started looking into nutrition and diet and things that, um, that, that really changed it. I mean, it was, it didn't take long. I was young. So in a four month period of time, just changing a few things, you know, adding more plants to my diets and adding things that were, um, that were going to help my body heal, made a huge difference. And and all of a sudden everything was starting to normalize and my energy levels were picking up and my allergies were going away. Very similar that I was like, oh my gosh, like I have got to get this information out to people. And it really shaped my practice, just like it's shaped your practice and who you are. So it's been so much fun to work with you. I know from my end, when you start talking to people that are like sick and you know they're exhausted and they don't even know where to begin. And then you start asking them to make some big changes and it's like, they just, they're already overwhelmed. So how do you deal with people like that and getting them to, um, to move forward with some of the changes?
1: So, you know, the most important thing really is to look at why they want to make these changes. You know, what is the motivation? What's driving you? Because you know, if we have a strong enough why, we can do anything. It doesn't matter how overwhelmed or tired we are. So when you start to look at some common reasons for why, people want energy. They want to feel vitality. You know, they want to have the energy and ability to do whatever, right? I had a um, I heard a story once about a patient who was diabetic and in a wheelchair and uh, arthritis and, you know, like just his health was really deteriorating and his, um, his reason for getting better was that he wanted to be able to dance at his granddaughter's wedding. So he started making the changes, right? Eating healthier, doing small, I mean, from a wheelchair, you know, to be able to exercise to doing small things, you know, maybe just standing up, maybe just walking the length of the couch. Um, so slowly, slowly, he started making these lifestyle habit changes to the point where a year later, he was able to, you know, dance at his granddaughter's wedding. But more than that, he was climbing mountains, right? (laughs) So it started off to be able to dance at his granddaughter's wedding. But then as time went on, his goals got bigger. Like he was climbing mountains, hiking, going all over the place off most of his medications, you know, and that was just making lifestyle changes. So that's the first place I usually start is why do you want to to be healthier? Why do you want to feel good? What is it that you it would allow you to do? Yep. And then we start making small changes. We don't want to overwhelm, right? We want to have success. So we start working on the habits um, model of it, right? To create good habits, we have to have everything easy for us. One of the ways I make things easy as far as changing things for nutrition is I recommend a um, whole food plant-based supplement that's basically fruits and vegetables that have been dehydrated and put into capsules. And so with this um, small change, all they're doing is taking capsules. It also comes in yummy chewables. You're dousing your body with all the nutrition from 30 different fruits, vegetables, berries, a couple of grains, um, and your body is starting to heal, but more than that, you start to crave those foods. And you it's it makes it easier to start changing into healthier habits. You start to feel better, you you know, you can move on from there. So that's one of the tricks that I use. Some, you know, some other ones is is uh don't keep anything unhealthy in your house. Like when you if you want ice cream be particular about it. right? Like I'm going to have it on this day. So only go and buy it when you want to have it and buy the small pints. Yeah, they're a little more expensive, but if you have a big thing of it, then you can't eat it all at once. Then you're like, oh, I've got this ice cream in my freezer calling me. Um, But the same thing with chips or anything else. And there's always substitutes, right? Like, So the thing about chips is that it's salty, it's Mm -hmm. crunchy, it's fatty, but you can find things that are similar, but healthier. You just don't want to eat a lot of it. Like um, dry roasted salted almonds are great because they're crunchy, they're filled with fat and they give you that saltiness that you need but you don't eat like a whole bag full of them because they get really heavy and so it kind of prevents you from overeating along those lines celery is another great, it feels that like crunchy and celery is high in, it's got good sodium in it so it gives you that a little bit of that salty flavor that you're craving um, carrots, you can use these vegetables in great little dips and, you know, eat the eat it that way. It really is about making small changes and allowing yourself to slowly transition. You know, we don't want the per, uh, perfection to be the enemy of the good. And we don't want, you know, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. So we're slowly progressing. I know there's a lot of this all or nothing mentality. That's what we come up on New Year's Day, right? We're making these I'm going to do everything. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to get all my sleep. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to breathe, right? All these things. And, you know, January 2nd, we're back to sitting on the couch and doing a Netflix binge. So it's not about making major changes at once. It's about small changes over time that tend to add up. So, you know, I work on empowering people to make those kind of small changes.
0: Um, Yeah, I was very... yeah. It was similar. Like that's how I started. I mean, literally was making a few small changes and adding those fruits and vegetable capsules, the the juice plus, um, to my diet as well. And, and that was like a starting place for me. Cause I didn't have the capacity to do anything else. Cause I was so tired and that did, it's exactly what you said. Like I literally started craving more plants and started changing my palate. Cause I was a total, like junk food eater, um, did a lot of carbs, a lot of pastas and those kind of things. And all of a sudden I started craving vegetables that I never would have eaten before. Like, I mean, literally like if a certain vegetable touched any kind of food that was on my plate, I'd be like, you're going to take this back because that's how picky I was. But it was, it was like that. And I always tell people, you know, it's a journey. Like it's a journey. Like you're not going to get here really fast and don't look at other people where they are right now, because you don't know where they came from. Like, you know, my journey has been like a 20 year journey or even longer than that. And it, and I'm where I am now was not where I was even 10 years ago. And you're just starting to change things because you just start noticing that you feel better. So I love, I love that approach. And, um, and, Ultimately, if you make small changes and you just make small changes over time and you just keep on, like that becomes a habit. We add another change that becomes a habit. You're going to be way more successful long-term than you are by making a ton of changes all at once. <clears throat> exactly. Yes. Yeah, so Give me an idea. Like, you know, I think people, like I know for myself, <clears throat> when I started I really didn't know, like you're talking about the why behind things. Like I didn't know how important fruits and vegetables were. Like I knew they were important, but I didn't know why. Like I didn't know and, and I think if I knew that, I might have made changes earlier. I just knew that they were good for you and you need to eat some, but I didn't know how many and all that, all that kind of stuff. So get into a little bit of that because I think that's really some information that people really need to know. So,
1: you know, it's interesting because like I said, I wasn't taught this in med school. And you know, most physicians, most doctors don't know this information about how important fruits and vegetables are for our health. It's not that they are important, it's that they're so important they could save your life, right? And there are a few doctors out there that are groundbreaking, um, physicians that have been working in this area for, you know, 60, 70, 80 years, um, That's, you know, we learned that when we watched the movie Forks Over Knives, the documentary Forks Over Knives, or even read the book China Study. This information has been out there for a long time. So, one of the big reasons why fruits and vegetables are so important for our health is that we have a whole, um, what's called a microbiome, it's bacteria that live in our gut and they process everything that we eat. Um, The bacteria in our gut is probably about 70, 80, or even up to 90% of our immune system. It takes care of our digestion and we need that bacteria. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's not just, you know, all bacteria is bad and we have to kill it off. We have good bacteria that we absolutely, our life, livelihood and our vitality depend on that bacteria. So that bacteria in our gut, it process the, processes the food, so what we eat doesn't just feed our body and our cells, but it feeds the bacteria, and the ba- bacteria processes this and you know creates what it needs, digest the food, makes the nutrients available, but it also may produce some byproducts, especially if we're not eating foods that are healthful to us. So foods such as um, Foods that are high in fat, that are high in sugar, salt, cholesterol, highly processed meats, um, animal products, these kinds of foods which make up more than you know 60 to 80 percent of the standard American diet, or also referred to as the SAD diet, um, these foods actually create bad byproducts in our from our the bacteria in our gut. And these bad byproducts are um, one of the well-known ones is TMAO. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the scientific name of that because I always butcher it. Um, but it that TMAO it it actually increases inflammation in our body. And inflammation, you know, if you are genetically predisposed to having diabetes, then if you're eating the foods that are going to contribute to that inflammation through your bacteria, then it's going to pro- it's going to show up as diabetes. If you're you know, more, if your family dynamics is that you have more heart disease, it's going to show up as heart disease. Inflammation in the joints is arthritis. And, you know, so inflammation is kind of like that first step for all of the diseases in the body. So it goes everywhere. They've actually done studies where they show a link with high levels of TMAO and heart disease, um, cancer, some other major diseases. So we know that that is all, um, at all kind of, Originates from the foods that we eat. Now, if we're eating foods that are healthy and are, you know, the bacteria really like can digest it, they show that these the same byproduct is not there. We don't have the same levels of inflammation, and we tend to live healthier. So, even if we had family history of diabetes or heart disease or cancer, it's not necessarily expressed. So, we there's also studies that show that um in terms of cancer or some of these other in terms of genes you know we know about genome and our genes that we inherit well there's a whole new study called epigenetics which actually shows that it's not really so much about the genes but which genes are expressed so what we foods we eat determine that so when we eat you know broccoli that turns off some of those inflammatory genes and some of the other Um, genes like that. Whereas when we eat, you know, let's say a processed sugar food, like cookies, um, that will turn on the inflammatory genes and they can lead to the disease pathway. So, you know, that's, knowing that can make you think about, okay, if I'm going to eat this broccoli, what's the effect it's going to have on my body? What's What's already being done? But, you know, so that's that's one way we can know, like, why this is so important for us. You know, this is why a, a whole food plant-based diet or nutrition plan is the most important thing because of the fact that it's what feeds the cells, gives it the um, nutrients and energy that it needs to progress, whereas the other foods actually causes more problems and re- re- requires more, you know, things to heal. So, you know, if you eat like a cookie, um, you're going to have some inflammation, it's going to cause some problems, some oxidative stress, and then you need to do something to heal that, right? So your body's trying to heal it and it's using all the energy and processing to do that. One of the things that can come from that is um, autoimmune disorders. Because now you're eating like a piece of cookie, the bacteria in your um, gut, they kind of have this constant conversation going on with your immune system where it's saying, Hey, do I recognize this? Is this food? Is this bad stuff? Is this foreign particle? And it sees a piece of cooking. It's like, I don't recognize this. This is not food. It's not us, right? It's not our blood cells. It's not our body cells. So what is it? It must be danger. It's like stranger danger. And it launches out a full on attack. So now like our immune system's like Rearing to go, we've got this hair trigger now, right? So then something like pollen comes along and we're like overreacting. And so we get, you know, allergies, which is an autoimmune disorder, asthma, you know, lupus. We've got so many different autoimmune conditions that all kind of originates from the foods that we eat. And that comes back down to, you know, eating foods that are um, unprocessed, whole, and produce and plant based. Right. So fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lentils, beans, nuts, and seeds. And that's what we want to have. Oh, the dogs. (laughs) It always happens.
0: I was hoping (laughs) (laughs) the dogs would not come (laughs) up. (laughs) I know for me, I, um, you know, when I started getting interested in all this stuff, I was learning for myself. I literally started reading a lot of books and, you know, I went to like reading cancer books and it said fruits and vegetables is what's going to help it. And then I read books on diabetes and it was like fruits and vegetables is what's going to help it. And I read books on, um, you know, just all like heart disease and it was like fruits and vegetables. And so I was like, Oh my God, everyone says it's just fruits and vegetables. And, and so, um, I just, I, I literally kind of stopped reading cause it was like, everything said the same thing. Everything pointed that direction. Um, and I always love hearing, you know, your gut health talk because it really gets into like the why, I mean, the majority of our immune systems in our gut and, and our bacteria, that's what it feeds off of. It feeds off of plants. And so, um, and I know there's more and more research and stuff coming out, um, like that. So that's, that's awesome. Tell us a little bit more about like the direction, like what do you what do you, what's up next for you? I mean, I know, um, Oh, actually let's, let's get into even this, this piece of it. Cause I know it's similar to me, but, um, you also, you know, you had your own place and then you, um, end up shutting that down, going more into the corporate healthcare type system. And tell us a little bit of your experience with that, because I know I've had a, a pretty similar experience and um, I don't think people really know like what doctors really go through, especially when you're trying to do the right way and your passion is to like help people and, you know, but you only can spend five minutes with them, which doesn't work at all <laughs> when you're trying to help. So give us a little bit of, um, of your experience with, with like just the healthcare system. So,
1: um, so yes, you know, I started off um, my career after residency setting up my own practice. And I had this intention of being able to spend as much time as I needed with each of my patients to help motivate them to change their lifestyle habits. And that takes time. You know, first you have to um, understand what's going on with them, get to know them, and to see what's important to them so that we can start working on and coming up with a plan of what will work for them in terms of changing their lifestyle and their habits. So, you know, I was spending no less than 30 minutes with each, with each of my patients. It's a lot of my energy. And so I probably, at the end of the day, I saw like 10 to 12 patients, but I was like exhausted. And 10 to 10 to 12 patients a day is not enough. <laughs> I don't know, you guys can't see this, but my, my puppy is sitting here licking my microphone. <laughs> so it's distracting me a little bit hmm. this is the joys of doing this at home i know COVID, so is what happens sometimes but we're still we're gonna, gonna get it done <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so i you know so i wasn't seeing enough volume to make ends meet right insurance will only pay for a certain amount of things and because i was billing for um time and saying that I was spending extra time with each of my patients, they would then want me to send records and prove that I was spending all this time with them. And, um, you know, so I, I wasn't really able to make ends meet. I, you know, barely had enough to pay the staff, to pay my rent um, for the office, but nothing left for me at the end of the day. And if I did make a little bit, it just went right back into the business. And I was like, this is not a sustainable lifestyle from working long hours And, um, you know, I had this goal that I'm telling patients to do this. So I definitely wanted to do it in my own life and wasn't able to, because when you're first in last out, working really hard to make a business work, it's hard to, you know, get your fruits and vegetables in and to get your exercise in. Right. And, um, that's where, for me personally, Juice Plus was like a big lifesaver because I would buy my vegetables knowing that this is what. I need to eat. But man, was it so much easier to eat chips and salsa and a bag of Oreos, both of which are vegan um, for lunch and dinner, than to cut up a salad and to eat it. When I started taking juice plus, I started craving that salad. So, and I had a little more energy to actually cut up the salad and to eat it. And so, you know, that to me was like a lifesaver, but that's a little bit of a tangent. on the lifestyle part of it. And so then I ended up shutting down my practice and working at um, different, first I started in urgent care, then I started at a clinic that was nine to five that actually hired me because they thought um, they really liked my my philosophy of prevention rather than treating the, you know, once it comes up, right? It's kind of like whack-a-mole. When the mole comes up, you whack it down, but let's like keep the mole from coming up in the first place. So they liked that idea. However, they didn't want me to spend that much time with each patient. I kept getting called to like, you know, be quicker with each patient, to see more patients during the day. And you just—they know, just, they each time they were like, well, you just need to make sure that they're on this medication. Why are you spending so much time with them? And I was like, but I want to get to know each of my patients and help them make healthier changes. And they literally told me that's not what I'm there to do. Um, you know, they had different requirements that quality measures, like for instance, for diabetes, one of the measures that we have is what's called hemoglobin A1C that measures the blood sugar. It's an average of the blood sugar. And for the quality measures purposes, it just has to be less than nine. Now, to give you an idea, um, normal blood sugar levels for someone who's non-diabetic is usually about 5.7 or below. Um, between 5.7 and 6.5 is what we call like the pre-diabetic range. It's not there yet. 6.5 and above is diabetes. And there are studies that show that like 6.5 and above is where we start seeing the complications of diabetes, which is um, you know, loss of vision, uh, blood clots or blood doesn't flow as well so you're more prone to infections you can you know that leads to amputations, things like that, other problems. Then I can tell you with this company I learned so many different effects of diabetes like there's diabetic arthropathy, which means its arthritis that's due from diabetes. They've shown that cataracts yes we think of cataracts as getting when something that you get when you get older. But they've shown like six to seven times more cataracts in people with diabetes than those without. So, and this is not just, you know, 9.0 and above. This is like if you have a diabetic person that's like seven or above, right, of their hemoglobin A1C. So my goal is to get everyone below seven and get them to, you know, below seven on medications. And then from there, we work on getting it below six so that I can stop the medications. Well, that was another issue is that when you got them below six, you you would get dinged because they're no longer in the medications. And so you had to continue those medications, you you know, so it wasn't the right measures that they were measuring. And I just, I felt like that wasn't enough. So they're like, well, why are you spending so much time with this patient? He already has an A1C of 8.5. He's in the goal range. And I'm like, but that's not my goal. And to see, you know, it just, it didn't, Coincide with what I felt was the right thing to do for each of my patients. So I um, left that job. I kind of semi retired. I got seriously burnt out, as many physicians are. Um, you know, we use the term burnout, but another term that I've heard that seems to be more accurate is moral injury, where, you know, we're asked to act against our moral code which for most physicians, you ask any physicians, most of us did not get into becoming a doctor for money or prestige because it's not there. Um, There are easier ways to make money, right? There's, If you're talking on a financial perspective, most doctors don't start earning money until they're in their mid-30s or early 30s, which you've gone through at least 10 years of income potential that you've lost in your lifetime. And we all live about the same amount, right? So if you retire at 65, and then we come out of residency in hundreds and thousands of dollars of debt. So, you know, it's financially speaking, there's just much more smarter ways to make money than to go into medicine. Um and so there's that part of it, people think that you know you're making a lot of money, but internally we went into medicine because we wanted to help people right i've heard the said medicine is a calling healthcare is a job and it's so true and we have such a broken healthcare system in this country right from and bec- and it's because it's really based on making money where the doctors aren't that invested in that and because we weren't we kind of said okay someone else can do it and then we gave them the power to you know, dictate to us how we can practice medicine because they're like, well, you know, we need to make money off of this. So, you know, I don't know, I don't have all of the answers, but one of my answers is to empower patients to um, really take control of their own healthcare. We call it a grassroots healthcare movement because, you know, insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies, they're not looking out for your health. They're looking out for their bottom line how much money are they gonna make? So we're in the system and that causes us to have burnout and moral injury. So I think January of 2019, I quit my job and I decided that I wasn't gonna go back into healthcare because there's no way that I would be a part of um, the problem, right? That as far as what's going on with people's health, just throwing medications at it is not the answer. It's not the solution. You know, looking at what's actually causing our health issues is the problem. Um, And so that's where I kind of in my journey and what's what I'm looking at doing now is creating what's called a lifestyle medicine practice where, you know, we partner up with our clients, our patients to to help them live their best life possible by implementing simple, sustainable habits and tricks. Um, And I'm doing that, you know, a few ways right now, as we're in this pandemic lockdown, it's you know, given me the opportunity to look at different ways of how to implement this through Zoom webinars. Um, My goal is to have monthly Zoom webinars where we can talk about these things and then break off into groups of accountability, because that's where how, that's really how we tend to make changes is in community. And when we have community, you know, community support, love, that's not actually another pillar of lifestyle medicine, it's an important part of our health is to have community. So to, to create that, we talk about lifestyle medicine. There's six major pillars, you know, nutrition we've talked about. That's a major one exercise, be, you know, moving, getting up, things like that is so important for the body. Our body is meant to be in motion and not just to sit, you know, at a computer all day long. And sometimes our job requires us to do that. But if we can schedule in breaks to get up and stretch and walk around. That's great. We want to make sure that we're sleeping well, um, six to eight hours a night. Um, that's huge for our health. We want to manage our stress, and that includes our mindset. How are we thinking about problems in the world? You know, what when we when something happens, do we think, "Oh my God, why did this happen to me?" Or, "Wow, what can I learn from this?" You know, how can I improve my life based on this major disruption that's happened? Um, and so. It's four five is to avoid risky substance um, substances like alcohol and drugs and um, uh, smoking cigarettes right <laughs> and then community is the sixth pillar right that sense of feeling of loved of being of belonging of having support that's a huge part of our health and so when we create groups to help us with all the other steps, it automatically includes that sixth pillar. So,
0: yeah, I can remember you telling me when you're going through everything um, with the, uh, being part of the, the corporate setting for healthcare. You literally said, "I would be, I would rather be a plumber than to go back into the healthcare system the way it is." Because, I mean, you're right. I mean, and I was in a, in a very similar situation. It's like you have you want to help your patients, but you, your hands are tied behind your back and, and then you're getting slammed for not, you know, seeing more people and doing more. And it's like, it's just not possible. It's not possible to do that. I mean, it's even for, for our health. I mean, our health deteriorates because of it as well. So, um, that sounds so awesome. It's been so much fun to, to see your journey and watch your journey. Um, from like where you are and where you where you want to be and and how you're just getting closer and closer to to like kind of live in the way you want to live and and help people the way you want to help so it's it's been so much fun to watch and um, you have any other you know anything else you want to share that you know could help people I know we're gonna be wrapping it up here pretty soon
1: um, the only my parting message would be is that you have everything you need within you to live the best life possible. Um, So it's really time that we take a pause and really look at what's going on inside of us so that we can tap into that internal power and energy that we already have. And I think that's, you know, yes, this pandemic has been a hardship for many of us, but that's one of the things that we can look at is, um, a positive is that it's given us that time to slow down and um and take stock of what's important in our lives and you know what's going on inside of us that can really um bring out the best of us.
0: Yeah no I totally agree. It's um you know anytime you have anything that's like a stressful event you always have to kind of look back on it and be like what did I learn? You know, what am I supposed to learn from this? And um, and I think that's the biggest thing is, is this, the kind of slowing down and doing the things that we know we need to be doing. I mean, I think we all know what we need to be doing for the most part, but, but we, we just don't, or we don't even know where, where to start. And, um, it's so cool to know that people are going to have programs like your programs and having the accountability and those kind of things, um, to, to really help them move forward, because that's a big piece of it as well as the accountability piece. I mean, just knowing that you have someone there cheering you on and that, okay, I, I can do this. And even if you're, uh, if it's like, oh gosh, I don't like, you know, you just need kind of help to, to get to that next level. You, you have that with the accountability piece. So it's been so much fun having, you know, our conversations today. And I know it's going to help so many people when they go back and, and listen to this. So thank you so much for coming and, um, speaking with us and, um, thank your dog as well, because it's always (laughs) fun to, you know, have the, (laughs) we're always improvising here. (laughs) Things are going. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much. Yes. Normally it's not in the background too, ever so often, but I'm sure you can't hear you. So, but it's been fun. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been my
1: pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.